pull up a seat to the edge table with Nicole Biscotti and Melissa Seiboth. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you've decided to pull up a seat to the edge table. I'm Melissa Sidebotham, and I'm here with my good friend, Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole Biscotti. The edge table is a place for parents and educators to share ideas and perspectives. This has become an even more crucial conversation now with what we're all dealing with and the impact that it's having on education and children. Today, we're going to discuss movement in quarantine. We have a wonderful uh, panel of guests today. I'd like to introduce Dr. Brad Johnson. Uh, Dr. Johnson, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I've been in education for 25 years um, as a teacher and administrator and a professor. Um, Mainly now I travel and speak and, and write books. And actually, one of my books fits very well with this topic. Um, It's called Learning on Your Feet, Incorporating Physical Activity into the K-8 Classroom. Perfect. We're so happy that you were able to join us uh, this evening. Uh, Next up, we have Linda Clark. Linda, could you please tell us a little bit about your background and who you are? Hi, Melissa. Um, Yes, so I've actually, I'm a mom, and I started working with a school district um, about nine and a half years ago. Just got interested, PTA, I'm Irish, so I have zero, I had zero um, experience with the school system here in the US, in California especially. So I just took it upon myself, I got involved in the PTA and then I met um, the head of the PE department in the school district I work in and I signed up to be a paraeducator and which I've worked in every school in the district. I've worked from uh, TK through fifth grade. Um, Recently, most recently, I just changed my job um, description. I'm now a one-on-one para in special ed. Just thought I needed a change, and I'm absolutely loving it. So, yeah, so that's really my thing. I'm involved constantly. I have a a seventh grader and a freshman. Busy. That's fan- very busy. <laughs> very busy. Um, and I think I think everything that that you have experienced is going to really give you an, a unique perspective on what we're talking about tonight. So thank you so much for joining us. And we, last but not least, we have um, Sachi Ito, and she is going to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, my name is Sachi. Um, I'm a physical therapist by education. Um, I've been a physical therapist for, gosh, over 25 years now. And I'm also a mom of three kids, um, a little older. They're 21, 19, and 13. So I've gone through a lot of different things with the kids. And obviously movement now is a little bit more challenging than you know what we've seen in the past. Thank you all for being guests on our show today. We're really glad that you took the time to pull up a seat and join us, Uh, particularly with everything going on. We really appreciate you making the time. I know that we're all a little bit stretched right now. The first question that I wanted to ask is, so given our current situation, we're all, a lot of us are working from home. A lot of us are trying to homeschool all of a sudden, and we're all obviously very concerned about this virus. Why is it more important than ever for us to be intentional about movement for ourselves and for our kiddos? Dr. Johnson, do you want to answer first? Sure. 
Um, I, I think there's a couple of things that, that fit with your question. Um, number one, we're quarantined, so we're kind of stuck at home and limited to what we can do. Um, I've seen some posts online where, you know, people are joking about how many meals they're eating each day and how much weight they've gained. And I'm probably in that group. Um, so we do have to be intentional about our movement. You know, we can't get out. We can't go to the gyms. We can't uh, do our normal activities if, if we're active by nature. Um, and so we need to find ways to uh, do that at home. The other thing, too, is just in general in our culture, you know, we see just an epidemic rise in obesity in our youth um, and adults. You know, we're pushing 66 percent or so as a population of being overweight. And so, you know, it, it is a health risk. And when we think of like the epidemic with the flu, you know, we need to be healthy. We need to be able to withstand, you know, anything that, um, you know, like this that comes along. The healthier we are, the less, you know, we have to um, or, you know, that it will harm us. Um, but even within schools, you know, we, we see the cut in recess. We see the, the cutbacks in, in P.E., and we've just we've really gone in the opposite direction. And I think we see that um, in a lot of the, the issues and the health issues that we see even in our youth. Yes, definitely. I know as a teacher, um, it's very different to be a homeschooler, by the way, than a teacher, because other people's kids listen to me. And I have, you know, three kids at home still and I'm homeschooling. One of them has ADHD. But for all of them, I've found that they're so much more on task and so much more engaged because I'm home and I can have the opportunity to be flexible with them and do frequent movement breaks, whether it's a dance break or whether it's a walk outside, or they actually have found some videos on YouTube that they like to do with exercises. Um, so I've found that they're more engaged in their learning when I'm allowed to give them those breaks, which I can't always do in the classroom because of the structure like you were mentioning. And then personally for myself, it's really become my anxiety medicine in all honesty. I, I think like a lot of people starting with the, you know, seeing the empty shelves in the stores and the rising numbers, this has been a lot for us to wrap our minds around. And I feel like my walks have kept me sane. Linda, what would you say? Um, just going from one, from being on um, the PE, being on the blacktop for so long and just, seeing how kids appreciate that 50 minutes of PE um, from third to fifth grade, they get it twice a week. And honestly, if those kids, if the, if it's raining, give you an example, if it's raining and those kids have to do indoor PE, it's like their day, their whole school day has been interrupted. So for me coming from a public school system and knowing that those children right now are all stuck indoors, I dread to think what their parents are actually dealing with right now. Fortunately, I have one child that literally nearly came through the ceiling yesterday doing her PE workout. The other guy, he was totally in it, actually. My son was totally into it. It was good. But I really think parents should. I mean, I'm on my children constantly to be moving. Um, the weight thing, doctor, that you mentioned, you know, everybody's watching their weight going up. My own two children have said it. Me personally, I, I'm a runner, so I'm out there early in the morning. Nothing has changed. But I can see the other children 
children that are stuck in apartment blocks. Um, we're fortunate we're in a home, we have a back garden, we have a front yard, um, they can get out and do it. But this this is a huge struggle right now. Um, the PE teacher that I did work with, I know she has a program set up with online teaching. I have not seen it yet because we start this coming Monday. And I'm going to be very interested to see what she has done and how many children will actually, you know, the on school, uh, the online schooling right now. Um, I don't know how it's worked for you guys right now in my home. It's it's been great this week. Um, elementary school, I I'm, I'm just really interested to see how it's going to go. And uh, plus the PE program, how many parents are going to support their kids for that 50 minutes of watching something online and having their children work with that? It's, it's going to be very interesting, but definitely. I, I think you're right. Sorry. I think you're right. I think you're, excuse me, I think you're right that as we move towards more schools becoming organized with online learning, we'll see some of those PE classes return. I know that my niece's dance class has gone online so that the teacher's teaching them from Zoom. That's awesome. That's awesome. My daughter actually had her music class yesterday online last night. Um, But it's great. But I think just going across the demographics of the public school system here, it's going to be very interesting to see who does what and who doesn't. I'm, I, I will really know. I'm, I will get back to um, Melissa next week and I'll let you know how it went just because I'm with special ed right now. So even that, how many parents will support their children in doing that PE class? And, and they don't realize how important it is because, you know, lockdown is coming. It's, we're going to be stuck indoors for a bit. Every day, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Sachi, what, what is your take on the importance of being intentional about movement right now? What, what benefits does it offer? I think it's very important um, for all of us, you know, adults and children, um, to have that movement. Movement kind of stimulates the blood flow and it kind of gets the, the, the brain going, um, you know, sitting down and watching TV or playing video games, obviously, it gets to be a little bit more stagnant. Um, so it's, it is important. And, you know, I think we're all seeing the same thing um, with all this online education, you know, going on with the school at work kind of forces you to sit down. It doesn't have that movement, at least, you know, in middle school, they have to go from one class to another. So there's after every 50 minutes or so, there's, you know, a five minute little walk. So it kind of just gets some energy going again and gets them ready for the next class. We don't have that right now. So trying to force them to have that movement, I think is really important, especially if your children have already had that type of structure. You know, my three kids swim competitively. So right now they're, you know, crawling all over the place trying to look for activities to do. Um, and they're not really dry land children. They're in the water because they don't like to be on the land. So they're, they're really struggling. Um, and so I think it's important for us as parents to really push those kids to find something healthy to do, breathe some, you know, fresh air outside, um, and obviously still respect that whole, you know, distance kinds of stuff. But to, to create that movement is important. I think everybody's brought up some some really important points. And I'd like to move into the next question where with quarantine, we're going to be needing to provide different opportunities for movement, but there are challenges with accessibility. And Linda, as a paraprofessional, 
you know, you, you've pointed out that there could be challenges with uh, special education students, uh, depending on what kinds of challenges they're facing. Who, who would like to, to kind of share with us what opportunities you see or maybe some suggestions you might have for parents to help get their kids moving, um, even if they don't have access to that Zoom PE class or, or something else? Um, this is Sachi. I, th- I think, you know, jumping into like Facebook or social media kinds of things, there are a lot of different, oh gosh, dry land type activities that people are, are posting um, that I think that uh, work for everyone, you know, whether you be a, a child or an adult. Um, I think there are a lot of different opportunities out there. And I think it's just a matter of getting online to do some of those actual classes. I know I have, you know, uh, sport cord type things in my house. And so whatever those vendors are, they too have pushed out, you know, different classes online. Um, I know I go to 24 hour fitness and they have online things that they've, they've, you know, suggested as well, classes and just kind of online activities that anybody can jump in and, and participate in. Um, but I, I'm sure, you know, jumping into the library and, and, grabbing some videos from there and, and simply just going outside and enjoying the fresh air and, and doing anything I think is important. Absolutely. And Sachi, I think you bring up, you know, it's such a valuable point and, and really kind of a bright spot. There have been so many instances where different companies or, or different, even small businesses like yoga studios or, or different things like that have, have really opened themselves up to say, you know, I know that you're stuck inside, you know, please catch us on our YouTube channel, you know, and we'll go ahead and post workouts for you. And, and I just think that's, that's really an amazing piece that we're starting to see. Linda, what, what would you say to that? Um, Again, the resources out there online are incredible for children for through fifth grade, through all age groups, actually. Like Sachi said, there's so many, like there's eight minute workouts, there's this, there's that. It's phenomenal. But for the younger children, there's great resources like Go Noodle, there's children's yoga. We've done them all with the, the, the students, especially, as I said, rainy days are very challenging for us. And if you don't have a gym, which most school, elementary schools don't have, we're confined to classrooms. So you might as well be in your own house, right? You're in a room with 25 students and you're trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do? And just the, the whole buzz of putting on a go noodle and, and especially, again, I don't, I don't mean to refer to special education again, but for those children where they're Movement sometimes can be challenging and even understanding certain games and setup where you have it on the screen and they're fully focused. And there's so much stuff on Go Noodle. And if you do have friends with younger children, it's an incredible website because they cover everything for that age group, you know. And um, yeah, I mean... Definitely, there's plenty of resources out there. There's there there should be actually no excuse for any child out there not to be able to do some form of exercise indoors, especially when they're restricted. You know. Very true. And just for our listeners out there, if you have never heard of Go Noodle, it's it's a fabulous website. And 
just to be clear, we we do not have a sponsorship with them or anything like that. Um, it's it is a a website that you can go on. They have yoga, they have a, a freeze dance, they have all different kinds of things. They even have things like meditation. But it's gonoodle.com. and it's it's been a lifesaver for a lot of PE teachers on those rainy days. And yes. I think I think you're right, Linda. It could be a lifesaver for for Absolutely. parents at this time too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, Dr. Johnson, what would you uh, what would you add to all of this? Well, I remember as a teacher, um, I had a place in the back of my classroom where I would allow, especially students that had like ADHD and um, you know just had a hard time focusing. I would let them go to the back of the classroom and do things like planks or sit ups or push ups, and give them you know a few minutes to burn off some energy you know, refocus. And over time, that actually became part of the routine of all my classes. And that's actually where kind of the spark for the book came from. Um, and you can do that in in the home. You know, I think Linda was talking about, you know, if, if you could do things in the classroom, you can do them in the home. And especially when we think about um, like core, working the core with things like planks, different types of body weight exercises that even um, your, your special needs students can do some of them. Um, and actually, the research shows that that actually helps them improve the of all students, but, but even the, the special uh, needs students, that it improves the in- executive functioning area of their brain, which helps with things um, like focus, um, self-regulation, like emotional uh, self-regulation. Um, and things like that. So it not only helps improve them physically, but also mentally as well, because we know how important that brain-body connection is. And for, Dr. you know, Dr. if we have students that don't have access to the internet and, you know, uh, we, we there should be options available um, where schools can actually send packets home um, that can have copies of like body weight exercises and things for them if they don't have that, that they can access at home on their own. Dr. Johnson, you perfectly actually moved us into the next question because <laughs> what I wanted to discuss next was the relationship between learning and movement. So we've been talking about movement primarily from a, a standpoint of well-being for adults and for children. But also we know, and a lot of us have been discussing this for a long time now, that kids don't necessarily have an appropriate amount of movement in school as it is. And now they're confined to the house. And I know that there's a lot of activities that we've highlighted that people can do with their kids. But then a lot of parents are also trying to fit in hours of homeschooling in the middle of of them working from home or whatever their kind of temporary um, situation is, routine is. So what do you guys see as the relationship between movement and learning and how we can use that knowledge to benefit our homeschooling situation right now? Linda? Nicole, I just think, you know, just from a standpoint of us as adults, we all know if we don't get outside or do something, you become stir stir crazy. I know for a fact, my husband, if I don't do something, he's just like, it just drives him mad because he knows I'm going to be the one that's going to be in bad form. So you can imagine us as us as adults, we understand that. But when you've got a child, 
that doesn't perform and doesn't do anything. You can see the mood. They're sitting there, as you mentioned earlier on. The video games are out. They're not thinking. They're moody. And it's it's awful. But again, at a school, as you know yourself, when the children have the PE, if they're even if they're on the playground for lunch and recess, they go back and they perform better. That brain is stimulated. It's moving. It's ready for the next stage. Um, so realistically, I'm hoping that parents are out there um, today and they are doing this because at the end of the day, to, as parents, we all know, we are the ones that are going to suffer. It's the child is not going to benefit either, but for sure, we are the ones that are going to suffer. Those kids need to be stimulated. Every parent out there, I'm trying to do it every day with my two, get them moving, out the door for 20 minutes, walk the dog around the block, just do something. And as I said, we don't know what the next stage of what's going to happen with this virus. We may get that shutdown and may only be allowed to leave the home for essential things and exercise. Just to let you know, in Ireland, they were just told this evening, two, camilla, two camilla, camilla, kilometers from their home, excuse me, that is the distance you are allowed to be from here on for the next two weeks. And I can see this country going into that kind of lockdown as well. So parents better be ready. These children, they need something. So, you know, everybody has a computer. Every school, every public school in my school district, every student got a Chromebook. There is no reason why a child has not access to the internet right now. So I'm just hoping for their sakes and the child, they will do something. Linda, I I do realize that a lot of people got Chromebooks and a lot of people, um, a lot of local um, internet providers have stepped up and provided free internet. Yes, they have. But I can attest that in my area, not all kids, um, even in my district right now, have access. But as Dr. Johnson stated, there are many activities that we can also incorporate. One thing that I, I, I have twins and then my son is 15 year, 15 months, excuse me, younger. So I have kind of triplets. Wow. And I know that when they're getting a little stir crazy, one thing I learned to do from when they were toddlers is when they're starting to fight and all that and get crazy, sometimes I'll just turn the music up really loud and start dancing. And then everybody starts dancing (laughs) and we end up doing it. It's okay. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, I think that the internet is is a wonderful tool and it gives us a sense of community. We can can connect with our YouTubers and all this sort of thing and our, the kids with their classrooms. But, you know, we can also get a little old fashioned about it and just think of um, ways that we can incorporate movement. And something that Sashi said earlier is that, you know, if you think about the average school schedule, there's PE, but there's also movement for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers every hour in most cases, maybe every two hours if they're on a block schedule. And maybe we could incorporate that into our homeschooling by, I know like I was talking to somebody else and she was saying, you know, I'm giving my kids um, treats every every time they finish a subject. And I thought, oh boy, that that's not oh, very thankful, right? But, but sometimes maybe instead of a treat, and, and I understand that parents are just trying to grapple with this right now. But maybe instead of a treat, maybe we could do a dance party or we could do an exercise or, or some other activity that um, we could think up instead of that. Um, 
Dr. Johnson, do you have anything to add to that connection of learning and movement? Yeah, I mean, when we look at, you know, one of the things I often talk about is Finland and how that they give 15 minutes of recess every hour. And, you know, that's something we really need to focus on more here. Some schools do better. And when we're talking at home, hopefully parents realize that they see the kids, you know, getting fidgety or need to move. And, and they should. They should allow them to move, you know, especially at home. The, the student shouldn't have to sit more than 20 or 30 minutes and, you know, be able to, to move around, um, you know, to, uh, you know, just to get up and, and change, the, you know, the, just to move the body, just to get it moving. Again, like we've talked about, we know how important, you know, that connection is, um, whether it's, you know, doing exercises or whatever. The other thing, too, and I was kind of stumbling there because I was trying to remember what my ideal was. But when we think of how um, in the schools, what we see is when students are active, like Linda was talking about, they can come back and focus better. So if you have students that are, you know, maybe struggling in math or science or English and you have to help them at home, a great idea is to let them move, you know, be active for 10 or 15 minutes and then work on that subject because they'll be a little bit more relaxed and focused. Definitely. That's something that I've incorporated as a teacher um, quite a bit after having a son with ADHD and learning more about movement on my own. And another thing is that we do have a lot of flexibility in how we deliver these lessons as homeschoolers. And I know that some of, you know, most parents are not prepared to be teachers, but there's a way that there's, we can also think of lessons as not only sitting down on a computer. Sometimes we can have the kids do an activity that requires getting up and moving around just a little bit to allow them, like maybe, you know what, you stand over here, this is the stage and you teach me the lesson right now and, and just have movement be a part of the whole um, learning experience. Sachi, what would you say about the connection between learning and um, movement from your perspective as a parent? Sachi, Sachi are you there? Oops. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So um, I absolutely agree. I think movement um, is very important for the brain to function for those kids. Um, I do a lot of ergonomics over at work as well. And that is something that we push for all our employees. It's, you know, you need to get up and move. You can't just sit still for a, a length of time. Um, I say, hey, every half hour, do a little spot check with yourself. How are you doing? And so, you know, I look at my 13-year-old my who is now trying to do her little Zoom classroom things on her own. And she, you know, she, not that she's frustrated, but I think she's just bored. And I said, well, get up then. You know, no one said you had to sit and listen to your teacher talking. You can stand at the counter. You can move around. You can do jumping jacks. You just need to be listening. You know, so just kind of giving the giving her that flexibility. You know, I go, if you need to be doing a handstand upside down right now, go for it. Um, you just need to be listening and doing the activities and getting your homework turned in. Um, but trying to incorporate movement on a regular basis, I think, is really important. And maybe even having kids set up a little egg timer type thing with every 15 or 30 minutes and just to get up to a jumping jack and sit back down and refocus. You know, even just that much um, will help kind of just break up that monotony of sitting still for such a long time. 
Very true. Very true. Linda, it looks like you had uh, something else to add. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I felt I mentioned, and I was listening to you, Nicole, and I thought your comments were, excuse me, were awesome. And I am not a true advocate of doing something in front of a computer, but I think um, the only reason I stated that, because my children, believe me, are not allowed on computers, um, it's just that, the, I guess, again, I'll go back to the uh, demographics of the schools I've my both my children have gone to and the school I work in, I feel that that would be their only support. And I guess sure. I should have mentioned that. Um, I'm a true believer of doing exactly what Sachi said, you know, getting up doing jumping jacks right in the middle of it. And that would be totally me because I'm 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 that person. I need to be moving constantly. I cleaned my house twice this week, if that can if you can imagine. I have to be constantly going. I can't <laughs> stop and, no, and I'm I the, appreciate that. <laughs> Even though we don't sponsor that website, that was the great that you shared that because I think that that will help a lot of people. It's just yeah. that with this situation, I myself have become aware of how many families don't have access to the internet um, yeah. as trying to coordinate the online learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be very, very tricky. And and I also know in in the area where I am, we, most, we have mostly... Uh, families that have both parents working. And so this also brings around a whole nother challenge. If both parents are on, you know, back-to-back Zoom calls all day because their businesses don't stop, or or even if they are health professionals and they're still having to go into work, they may not be there to to monitor what their children are doing. And so there's there are a lot of barriers that can families can be faced with when we're looking at this whole movement piece. Um, but but knowing all of that, what do you think in general, what can we learn from this experience? I mean, I don't think I don't think any of us clearly have ever lived through something like this before. Um, and what can we gain from it and how can we be more intentional about providing movement in these learning experiences for our children? What do you think, Dr. Johnson? Well, I'm an advocate of just physical activity in the classroom in general. I mean, that's something that I always push. Um, you know, our classes are too sedentary. Students spend too much time sitting in desk. They spend too, too much time sitting at home, and they just need to be more active. Again, we see, you know, a lot of um you know, issues with focus, with attention, with self-regulation, and all of these things, even like social-emotional learning, that students learn through physical activity, through recess, through play, through unstructured play. And we are denying kids of this part of their development. Um, When you think about, like, my age growing up, you know, I spent if, if, if my elementary school experience had not have had, you know, multiple recesses a day and extended lunch where we could go to recess, I mean, I probably would have stayed in trouble, um, you know, so that gave me that outlet and, and, and students still need that. And especially, you know, when you think of what is it that, you know, when you think of the student that causes the most issues in classrooms as far as, you know, focused on tasks, you know, being off task being disruptive and things like that, it's usually a boy and that boy, you know, can't help being a boy. And what I mean by that is they're not designed and female either really designed to sit 
for long periods of time. We need to be moving. We need to allow them to burn off that excess energy and to learn like children learn. Children learn through play and physical activity, and we're denying them that. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. And that that brings up so many issues that don't even just only apply to what we're going through right now, but it's really a systemic thing. And I think we're seeing a lot more conversation around that piece about all of the benefits that you see with incorporating play and making sure that kids have that unstructured time to really focus on movement and problem solving and all of those good things. Nicole, did you have something to add? Yes, I have really enjoyed this time home with my kids. Um, This is a very unfortunate time in our history, of course. But within my family, I've enjoyed the opportunity to be with my children. Sometimes I'm so busy being a teacher that I'm not able to be as plugged into my own children's education. And it's it's been a blessing to be able to learn with them and see how they learn and, and learn more about them and their learning styles. I know that Jason, um, because I write about him and I do a lot of advocacy for ADHD, needs movement, but also to see how much my girls need movement and to see that I have the flexibility in this home environment to, you know what, let's do history right now and then let's let's give it a break and do something different. Let's go bake a cake together and then we'll come back and, and, and come back to that reading that we were going to do and just break things up a little bit. And I, I really appreciate your point, Dr. Johnson, about how kids learn through play and they also learn through unstructured activities. And I think that I speak for a lot of parents in, this, in saying that this time has allowed me to kind of bond better with my children and be able to do activities that I normally don't have maybe the time or energy to, to do with them at the same frequency that I am right now. And I think that that provides different learning opportunities as well. I think that's so true. Very true. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because listening to the language from from different people all around the country and really around the globe, when they're talking about their experience of having their kids at home and, and teaching. And, and one of the things that I'm hearing a lot of is, you know, the term homeschooling. And then you hear e-learning. And then you also hear distance learning. And I think a lot of different people are having a lot of different experiences. And, you know, homeschooling truly is where you're coming up with your own curriculum and you are the primary teacher. And I think that that most school districts and most school systems are trying their hardest to provide that curriculum to families, whether they're they're accessing it through Zoom meetings or in a packet. And and so there's there's some tricky things to kind of look at there. But I think for families who are truly homeschooling or don't have any guidance from their teachers or their school districts, they really are the ones that are suffering the most and would really benefit from um, all of those different ideas that we can give them for what they can do. Um, so let's see, uh, Sachi, I don't think I, we've heard from you on this last topic. Can you tell us how you would, what you would suggest for people to be more intentional? Um, sure. I, I th- I think people, the parents need to be more involved at this point. It is a juggle um, as parents are now juggling their work at home and they're seeing their kids. They don't have their kids away for those a few hours. Um, I think it's a little hard 
for the children to understand that mommy and daddy are still working, but for both mom and dad and the kids to just try to take that moment and set up some, some sort of routine or schedule to say, okay, we're all getting up at this hour and we're all going to do this and, and kind of move that around and try to create that to be more routine in, in, in the future as well. Um, to say, okay, guys, on Saturday mornings, we're always going to wake up and we're going to eat a quick breakfast and we're going to go for a nice long walk and come back and, you know, do those kinds of things. Um, I see a lot more people in the neighborhood walking around. Um, I've been trying to walk with my kids, you know, around the neighborhood just just to walk, um, get and breathe some fresh air. And um, definitely people with dogs and, you know, lots of neighbors out there that I've never seen before. Um, so trying to force those kinds of things to incorporate them into the children's lives so that they need it so that they realize they need that movement and they need to be outside or doing something. Um, and that I think will help them in the future, but it's just to kind of make it a necessity for them to, so that they feel the need for that. Absolutely. Well, and it's something interesting in my, I I live in a small town and our little local community has, uh, started to put some things out on Facebook groups where, especially if you're looking at uh, preschoolers, uh, kindergarten, first grade, when you're looking at having people go on these walks, they are are coming up with a theme for the week. So uh, during uh, St. Patrick's Day week, it was a shamrock walk. And this week, it's a teddy bear walk. And so what they're doing is they're putting these items in the front window of their house. And so when you go for a walk, you can count how many of those things that you see. Now, of course, not everybody's putting teddy bears up in their windows. But when I took my first grade son out for a walk yesterday, um, we saw this giant teddy bear in, in somebody's front window and he got so excited. And so that's, I mean, one way that you can incorporate a walk and try and as a community, make it a little bit more fun. Um, Linda, what, what else would you add as like final thoughts for this? Um, you've really kind of put something in my head here. I feel I might reach out to some of the teachers that I work with and suggest during this uh, distance learning that they mention in between um, subjects that the, mm-hmm. the the children take a break and maybe do a stretch or do something. As I said, I've not yet seen what the PE teacher has put together and what she's going to put out there. To the she's a new a newer teacher, so this is going to be very interesting. But um, I, I think it's something I'm going to bring to the table at the school I work with and make sure that teachers are remembering that these children are not getting outside and may not be as active as our children or, you know, how we interact with our children. There's a lot of parents out there that don't. As you said, it could be reasons being both parents are working and they're not even thinking that their children are upstairs online and they have no interaction with them. And then you've, you know, parents that, just don't interact with their children's schoolwork. There's so many dynamics out there that we forget. But I, I think if it comes from the teacher and they're reading it on the computer, you know, you've done your math. Okay, off your chair, high knees for 20 seconds. Now let's back. Let's start our English essay. Something like that. You've really brought something here to me. I'm definitely going to uh, say something to my crew. Great ideas, actually. Okay, Linda, you have to explain what high knees are because I have no idea. Ah, 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> Melissa, I'm going to have you stand up and put your oh, left gosh. knee to your chin and your right knee and just get faster. Jog on the spot, bringing your knees up high. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, why are we doing the podcast sitting down? <laughs> there you go, girls. Exactly. And Dr. Johnson, of course. Oh. <laughs> I, want to, I want to thank you all for being here this evening and for taking the time to join us. And I want to thank those of you that are listening for pulling up a seat and being a part of today's show. Please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Edutable. We really would love to hear from you. The more voices that we hear from, the richer the conversation. Also, remember to check out the articles and videos on our website at TheEdutable.com and subscribe to our website so that we can deliver all of this original content right to your inbox. Thank you again for listening. And remember that children always benefit when parents and educators work together. And don't forget, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe to ours. And if you get a chance, please leave us a review and we will talk to you soon.